0: Journey to Organization, episode 154. Parshat Vaishlach and Moving in Biblical Times. You're listening to the Journey to Organization podcast with Rebecca Saltzman, advice to help you clear your clutter and your mind. Hello and welcome to the Journey to Organization Podcast. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagan Begone, Personal Organization. And today I want to talk about this coming week's parsha, Parshat Vayishlach. Now I've spoken about this parsha before, but I feel it bears repeating because the message is so beautiful and inspiring, and of course related to organization. In this week's Torah portion, Jacob Yaakov moves his family from his uncle and father-in-law's house in Padanaram Lavan, and he comes back to Canaan, and if you just imagine the scene, (laughs) it's pretty remarkable, right? Imagine packing up all those people and moving them by foot a couple hundred miles. But it wasn't just the people. It's the animals and all the possessions that needed to get packed up as well. So imagine this. Jacob standing in front of his four wives, his 12 children, although the Parsha only specifically mentions 11. Benjamin isn't born yet, but Dina is, and she is hidden, so not part of the count, but I feel bears worth mentioning anyways. And some of those children were probably married by then, although it doesn't specifically say that, and I'm sure that some of them already had children as well. It's not so clear. But anyways, it's all of his children and all of his servants and all of his livestock and his camels and then all of all of their possessions and doubtless food and water and things for shelter and they're about to cross the desert by foot so it's really no small feat to organize all those things even today imagine doing this almost 4000 years ago today we have moving trucks and airplanes and shipping vessels This move would probably be a logistical nightmare. Jacob also knows that his brother is coming to get him. And he's got several hundred armed men with him. It's got to be stressful, right? So let's see what we have. We have traveling hundreds of miles on foot with everything you can fit on your camels and all your family. And you're about to have a huge fight with your brother. So you decide to divide up your camp into two parts. And you're trying to figure out who goes on which side it's all very, very stressful. More than that, he's about to lose a lot of money because to appease his brother, he's going to give him a huge gift, right? So he's going to be giving him all these camels and all this livestock. And it's a big portion of his wealth. To me, that would be really, really stressful. So here's what happens. They get to the river of Yabok. There's some place in between the Kinneret and the Dead Sea. <laughs> And then the pasuk in Breshit in Genesis says in, in chapter thirty two, verse twenty four and twenty five, kaf uh, kaftalad and kafay. First it says, et hanachal et After taking them across the stream, he sent across all his possessions. And Rashi comments there saying that the word viaval he crossed over means he acted as a physical bridge. So Jacob lays himself across because some parts of the river are not that wide, so he sort of acts as this physical crossing and he crosses each one of his of his people, of his children, of his wives, of his servants, whatever across of the river plus all of his possessions. So I imagine this probably means, you know, most of the animals that he's he's lifting up and crossing over the river. And then it says, Jacob was left alone. And Rashi comments that this means that not only was he alone, or the reason why he was alone, is because he was actually, he stayed on the other side of the river. After he had spent all that time crossing everyone, over the river. And I'm sure he was exhausted because, you know, lifting all your animals and all your people and all your possessions over the river, it's got to be a little bit exhausting. I mean, regular movers after moving everything are pretty tired. So, you know, he was probably exhausted. And he stayed. He was left alone. He stayed on the other side of the river, Rashi says, because he forgot some pachim k'tanim, some small jars. So when All the chaos, all the balagan, not to mention that they're almost at their destination. Jacob's like, oh, facepalm, right? I forgot something where we slept last night. and I'm going to go back and get it. And I'm going to I'm going to leave you all unprotected. (laughs) And I'm going to go back for a few small jars I forgot on the other side of the river. So he goes knowing, or he stays knowing, that he's leaving his camp unprotected, and nevertheless, these small jars are so important to him that he has to go back for them. Now, what I always learned about this passage was that holy people, tzaddikim, value each and every single object more than the average person. They view each item as being from God, and therefore, if God gave it to them, it merits respect and proper looking after Now, I wholeheartedly agree with this. Every single item we own is a gift from God. Sometimes we have more blessing than we need. And sometimes we can declutter and pass our blessings on to somebody else. And I think that this passage explains a very strong desire that a lot of my clients have when we are decluttering together to make sure that what they declutter doesn't go into the trash They want it to go to somebody else who will use it because they think that the item still has some merit to it, still has some blessing to it. And by the way, when I say trash, I also mean recycling. But that's a whole nother episode, I think. And I've talked about that before. But anyway, why did Jacob, why did Yaakov cross back over the river for a few seemingly insignificant jars? You know, so we can say that because he was a holy person, because he was a tzaddik, he knew that the value of these jars was very, very important because God had gifted them to him. But I learned something while I was researching this, this pasuk again, and it's, it really like, it blew my mind. So I want to share it with you. I had always learned that these jars were, were insignificant little clay jars that were nothing. But actually it turns out this this jar it it, it appears as though it's one, only one jar not not several but it could have been where it's not totally clear but it appears that the jar wasn't empty. Now, the simple text is very vague. He crossed the river, he crossed the possessions, and then he remained alone. And then the puzzle goes on to say that he wrestles a man till daybreak. And that's it. There isn't any other information in the simple text to take away about what happened, why he remained, why he was fighting with this angel. And there's certainly nothing about the jars. And yet Rashi and the Gemara say that that is why he remained. By the way, if anybody wants to look up the Gemara, it's Gemara Hulun 91a. But anyways, the Yalkut Ruveni on Vaishlah wonders, where are these jars from? And he says that in last week's Parsha, the stones that Jacob used under his head were not stones at all. One was actually a jar of oil. And he poured the oil on the top stone of the monument that he built with the stones that he used to sleep on in the morning after he was done sleeping. And while he was pouring the oil, he realized that the little jug actually refilled itself. And he goes on to say that Yaakov didn't feel right leaving this jar behind as it was miraculous and holy because the bottle of oil refilled itself, right? Now, it isn't clear to me if Jacob took this little jar with him on the journey to his uncle's house right because last week he was going to padanaram this week he's coming back from padanaram so it's not clear to me if he actually picked up the jar and took it with him or if he left the jar there and now he's just returning for it seems that he probably had it with him the whole time but it turns out that no matter if he took it or left it there knowing that he was going to go back for it God was happy that he went back for it. And he says to Yaakov, for endangering yourself for a small container, I myself will repay your children with a small container to the Chashmonaim. And if anybody wants to look that up, that's the Midrash Tzidah And if you don't know who the Chashmonaim are, well, they're the people involved in the miracle of Hanukkah, And we all know what the miracle of Hanukkah was. A small container of oil was found, and it lasted for eight days. It kept replenishing itself until new oil could be pressed. What a miracle, right? As a side note, I think that it's also no coincidence that Jacob's, that Yaakov's time in Padan Aram was 36 years long, and we light 36 candles on Hanukkah, not including the shamash, which brings it to 44, but still. Now I can hear what you're saying. Rebecca, what a nice story, but who cares? Why does it matter, and how does it relate to organization? Well, if you've been listening to me for a while, you know that I feel that all our possessions are important and that they're all blessing when we get them. I think that this example really matters because this is a really important example of not only how to treat and respect the things that we are given, that God rewards us for taking care of our things properly and not treating our things as disposable. He could have left the small jars there. It would have added extra protection to himself and his family because if he would have stayed with his family and crossed over the river, he wouldn't have had the incident where he fought a man. And whether you want to say it's a man or an angel, whatever it is, doesn't matter. It's not relevant. He would have been able to protect himself in a better way, and he would have been able to protect his family. But instead, there was this small jar that he has to go back for because he realizes either that it's holy or that it's a gift from God or some combination of those things. And he trusts in God that God will protect his family. And he makes sure that it doesn't get left aside like trash. Now, I think that it's really important to point out that in biblical times, there wasn't any trash pickup. My best friend just moved to Teaneck and lamented that they have the most expensive property tax and you still have to pay for trash pickup and recycling only gets picked up every other week. And I'm thinking to myself, well, (laughs) you're going to need to generate less trash so that you can make, so that you can make it in between pickups and that your trash isn't overflowing in between pickups, right? But I digress. (laughs) There wasn't, any trash pickup then there were no landfills and people didn't waste anything because wasting wasn't something that you could do there wasn't anywhere to put your waste right like it just wasn't an option more than that every object had value this whole episode is about how Jacob moves his whole family and how they have to bring all their possessions with them Every object that he brought with had value and it needed to have value because could you imagine the great, not necessarily expense in terms of money to move all these different objects, but the expense in time and energy, right? It takes a lot to cross so many people and so many possessions, such a far distance. It doesn't matter how rich you are and make no mistake, Jacob was rich. Taking care of your things understanding that your things are not disposable is a huge thing that you need to understand you can't throw your things away when you throw something away you throw it away from you but it's near somebody else when you treat your things as disposable they they go away from you yes but they're not away, they don't disintegrate, they don't just disappear. And yet you treat everything as if it is disposable. Oh, I'll just recycle it. Oh, I'll just throw it in the trash. It's no big deal, I'll just buy a new one. And you buy more and you buy more and you never stop and there's no gratitude for what you have. You get this great gift from God, money. And it gets squandered on things you don't need. And most of the time, it's things you don't even really want. And that you take no pride in. And that you don't value. And when you're done with it, you say, oh, it wasn't expensive. I'm just going to throw it away. And if it is expensive or if it was expensive, you say, I can't possibly part with this because it was so expensive, even if it's broken and can't be repaired anymore. So then you're just going to hold on to it because you're like, well, can't be repaired and I'm gonna hold on to it because it was expensive. I can't I can't get rid of it. And so you ha- you create this situation where you have all this stuff in your home <laughs> and it's not useful. <laughs> I think the point here is that even if you have 12 kids and whole household stuff and four wives and you know thousands of animals, <laughs> you should know what you possess. You should understand what you have. But when you have too much stuff, you don't know what you have. Yaakov knew these tiny jars were missing, and he went back from them. Imagine actually knowing that your tiny jars were missing. Could you imagine? After moving your whole life hundreds of miles, noticing that tiny a tiny jar was missing, would you be able to do that? Probably not. I don't even know if I could do that. I can't, I don't even think I can fathom that. Think about all the things that you have. Let's use some examples. Think about all the pens in your house. You got a ton of pens, but you can't find one when you need one. What about all those socks that have no mates? How about all the power cables that you can't locate or are broken that you're holding onto? There's so much stuff. And those are just three tiny examples. What about all the big things? So here's what I'm suggesting. Since Hanukkah is fast approaching, don't contribute to the mass of things you don't need. Use the bracha that you have to spread light to others through charity or even donation if you're deciding to downsize things. Look at all you have, and instead of focusing on all that you don't have, look for a way to pass your blessings on to someone else. Now, this is going to take some work, but the payoff will be big. Outside of any payoff that God is going to give you later on, the payoff is big right now. Because you're going to get to spend less time with your stuff. When you have less stuff, you can keep track of what you do have. Things don't get lost as easily. And you spend less time taking care of your things. You have more time with your family. And it's better quality time that's less stressful. Now, I know that a lot of our kids are home right now. (laughs) And they're not necessarily hanging out with their friends. And I got to say... My kids definitely are bored a lot more than they used to be. The other day, my daughter came into my room and she said to me, mommy, I'm so bored. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I could stop what I'm doing. And I played old maid with my daughter, who's 12, by the way. <laughs> we, we played cards and we just sat and chatted. And I didn't feel stressed that I had a, a million things to do because There isn't nothing to do in my house, right? I run a business, there's laundry, cooking, cleaning, kids to talk to, husband to talk to, right? There's less to do because there's less to care for. I think that a lot of people feel kind of sorry for me when I say I use a capsule wardrobe and I have only eight shirts. But here's the thing, my clothing gets washed in the washing machine, right? And when it's done, I put it on a hanger, I let it dry, and then I just move it into my closet. It doesn't sit very long in any of those places because I need to wear it almost as soon as it gets clean. Life is just more simple with less. We don't have the backlogs of laundry that I see almost all of my clients have because they have so much stuff they just can't manage the laundry. In episode 146 where I said I don't make my bed, I actually got a lot of feedback about it. A lot of people said to me, I can't believe you don't make your bed. It's the first thing I do in the morning. It makes me feel productive. It makes my room feel so clean. And that's great for you, but my room doesn't feel unclean or untidy without making my bed because my room is already clean. (laughs) Like I said, it does bother my husband a little bit, but here's the thing. The disorganized bed doesn't bother me because the rest of the room is neat and tidy. Because of this situation where we're all working from home, I moved a desk into our bedroom, which I don't normally have, so I could sit and work in a quiet space. And even if I leave a few things out and that small area doesn't feel so organized, the room overall only takes me five minutes to tidy. It doesn't even take me five minutes to tidy because there just isn't that much stuff. My point is having less is not the tragedy you think it is. Having more than you need is. More than that though, having things that don't serve a purpose and hurt others in their creation process as well as the earth, that is a tragedy because God gave us the earth and we're the stewards of the earth and we need to protect it. And not only do we need to protect the earth, but we need to protect the other people on the earth. I urge you, consider what you have, take care of what you have don't buy more than you need you never know how you'll be rewarded for caring for your possessions or how you will be punished for not valuing them and if you think of the story of king david and king saul and how king david cuts king saul's robe and king saul never knows right he doesn't ever even know but god punishes king david later on the punishment was that his clothes were not able to warm him because he disrespected Saul's clothes. So you never know what the reward, what the punishment will be. So treat your possessions with respect. Treat your home with respect. Remember that it is a finite space and that the more you fill it, the more won't be equal to the more happiness that you have. If you need help decluttering or making Aliyah or any other type of move and want to make sure you don't leave anything behind, please reach out today. We can get it done in a done-in-a-day declutter service or other online coaching services. I am so looking forward to working with you and making your house a home, making it your holy place where you can live your best life. And if you prefer to do a group coaching type Situation, check out Conquer Your Clutter. Head to balaganbegone.com and check out all the options there. For now, I'm wishing you a great week and happy organizing. Thanks for listening to the Journey to Organization podcast. You can find Rebecca on Twitter and Instagram at BalaGonBegan and on Pinterest as Rebecca Saltzman. Visit BalagonBegon.com for resources and to join the mailing list to get podcast updates.